Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn, 104.9 AM 1260 and hornfm.com. With the Longhorns play and Austin talks sports. Wake up, everybody. No more sleeping in bed. No more back thinking, time for thinking ahead. The world has changed so very much from what it used to be. There's so much hatred, war and poverty. Oh, wake up all the teachers, time to teach a new way. Yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, you had better get them up, get them up, get them going. It's B&E on a Friday, I meant get them out, but uh, Friday morning on B&E, off we go. Four hours of stimulating, we hope. Sports conversation begins right now with you on the show of the people. Appreciate you finding us, whoever you do. Early Bird always gets the worm, whether you're on 104.9, maybe 101.9 FM, AM 1260, and always streaming Live and local and digital on your Horn app. Take us wherever you go. A couple touches of a button and you are listening to us live. Also on your smart speaker at home and work. And always, Mr. Godbolt, streaming live at our website. Also on the Twitch channel if you want to watch the shows at hornfm.com. No doubt about it. Good morning to the soldiers at Fort Cavazos, Texas, the soldiers in the state of Texas, and all those that fight for us each and every day. Thank you so very much for what you do. It is appreciated and it is appreciated by all. Thank you very much. Be careful out there, please. Be careful into the weekend. Heat will continue to persist into the final weekend of July. Uh, we'll roll into August early next week. But uh, uh, be careful, as you say, Buck, to uh, oh man, hydrate yourself and deal with the heat. It's uh, should be calm. It should be handling it by now. It's been twenty consecutive days of uh, searing triple-digit temperatures as we continue to set records and will be one of the hottest Julys on record, without a doubt. As we crank this thing up, we got a lot to dive into, a lot of, of uh, fun to be had over four hours. It's official now from Boulder. Colorado is uh, headed back to the Big 12. We'll dive into what it means for the Big 12 Conference, Colorado, and, of course, uh, how can the Pac-12 survive now as a Power 5 league? Also, NFL training camp injuries, the headline, including in Dallas, the biggest one in Cincinnati. We'll get you the latest. Baseball as well, light night. On the baseball diamonds with the Astros and Rangers both off and only a few games. But, man, Shohei Otani, uh, what a day he had yesterday and night in Detroit. We'll recap that as well and get you into a Friday morning, and it should be a good one. Ty Henderson is here as well. Uh, the Buck is here. We'll uh, have some fun with you. Let's start with the headlines, trending topics. Get you caught up on the news as you get up and out. UBO Business Services brings you the headlines. Yeah, it's official now. Uh, conference realignment, University of Colorado has voted to leave the Pac-12 and rejoin the Big 12 beginning next July. School's Board of Regents formalized its future membership yesterday with a unanimous vote. Move comes with the full approval as well of the current Big 12 members and TV partners to give Colorado a full share 
of the Big 12's media rights deal immediately. That means $31.7 million in annual revenue, but the school's chancellor and athletic director both insisted yesterday that money wasn't the only factor for the move. Both emphasized that the ability to get greater exposure by playing football games in earlier time slots will help, and also the move back to the Big 12 will provide new head coach Deion Sanders and his staff with immediate recruiting advantages. Big questions on the realignment landscape now come from the West. Pac-12, can it survive as a Power 5 league? Conference will be down to nine nine schools beginning next year. They do not have a new media rights deal in place beyond the coming year, and they stand stand by. Could be more movement coming. NFL early training camp injuries continuing to mount in Cincinnati. Bengals star quarterback Joe Burrow carted off the practice field after he came up hobbling on a scramble yesterday. 26-year-old franchise QB hopped on one leg, then went to the ground after a play near the end of their afternoon practice. Head coach Zach Taylor later said it was a calf injury. He will be further evaluated today. Meanwhile, in Miami, Dolphins cornerback Jalen Ramsey, one of their big offseason acquisitions, suffered a left knee injury. He will undergo surgery on his meniscus. That comes with a six- to eight-week timeline time of recovery. He's expected to miss the start of the regular season. Dallas Cowboys dealing with a couple of camp injuries as well, starting with uh, starting safety Donovan Wilson suffered a calf strain during the team's first practice on Wednesday. He is expected to miss at least four weeks. Cowboys rookie tight end Luke Luke Schoonmaker will also miss the first phase of training camp because of a foot injury that predated his joining the team or being drafted by the team. Head coach Mike McCarthy said yesterday that they, they're hopeful that the team's second-round pick out of Michigan this past April will get back to the team while they're still in Oxnard, added he does not have a specific timeline. Cowboys' third-round pick was former Longhorn linebacker DeMarvion Overshone. According to early reports, he is already turning some heads. 90th pick in last April's draft, flashing versatility and a willingness to do whatever it takes to get on the field And defensive coordinator Dan Quinn's defense. According to Quinn, former college safety brings excellent coverage skills to that position. There's a strong possibility that Overshone will see time as an extra linebacker in nickel packages, maybe even in the secondary, in some base formations. Baseball. Both the Astros and Rangers enjoyed the uh, day off. First place, Texas opens a series in San Diego tonight. Houston will host the Tampa Rays this weekend. L.A. Angels superstar Shohei Otani certainly didn't have the day off yesterday. A uh, day after the team announced officially that the two-way star would not be traded before next Tuesday's deadline. Otani rewarded them in both games of a doubleheader in Detroit. Game one, Otani tossed a complete game one-hit shutout in a 6-0 victory. Game two is the D.H. He belted two home runs. Lead the Halos to an 11-4 win. <clears throat> And a sweep of the uh, doubleheader, he leads the majors with 38 big flies now. Round Rock dropped another one last night in El Paso, falling 10 to 9 in 10 innings. This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com. All right, so uh, there we go. I was also seeing this on social media and just got a text that there's an active shooter situation at the Tesla Gigafactory here in town. I did see a, a tweet of that with police running to uh, uh, arriving and telling everyone to leave as medi- immediately. So we'll keep you posted on that. That's a scary situation out to our east. Uh, that Gigafactory is a massive, massive building off of the tollway there um, near 290. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that story developing. But a lot of developing news and stories, obviously, picking up with the Colorado conversation from yesterday. Injuries, just hope the best for Joe Burrow. Buck. Then, then, yeah, calf injury. I mean, it it's going to go all the way into the season, maybe second game or third game or so. But you think it's that severe? And yeah, and and, he, and plus remember that's a dude who, who hasn't had much um, preseason games anyway. I mean, he's only played in a couple. You know, we had COVID. He had the abdominal strain. He was coming off we coming had, off a knee where he played like three plays, three or four plays. So he doesn't. For him, the preseason doesn't mean very much. When that when the season starts, that guy was ready to go. Yeah, he always has. You know, last year in the first yeah. practice, he's had, had to have an appendectomy. Right. Uh, had to go have emergency surgery. 
two two training camps ago, he was still recovering from that knee injury, mm-hmm. so they were very careful with him. He didn't do much in the preseason, and yeah, the year before that was uh, COVID. So yeah, Joe Burrow used to not participating, but uh, you know we'll see. Uh, obviously, the Bengals will hope he can get back for the start of the season. That's still not, but you know, it's, you know, five weeks, six weeks away. Um, we'll see how severe that thing is. A little sore, but active what, shooter was a false alarm, by the way. False alarm. Yeah, as of six minutes ago. All right, great, great to hear that news. Thank Absolutely. you, Absolutely. Uh, great news, great news, great news. That's uh, always a scary situation, wherever it is, and certainly when it's in your hometown. Uh, but false alarm on the uh, situation at the Gigafactory out east. So there you go. Uh, I did not see the report that it could already, they already know that it, it's going to be an eight-week injury. Is that right? Well, they, well, they've talked like at, at least to the beginning of the season, or the, at least the first game or so. Mm, no, I had not seen that. I, I saw there would be a uh, further evaluation. I hope there's no tear, no major right. tear Right, I mean, yeah, if you tear your muscle. calf. And, well, and obviously, you know, observers, media that were on hand already, on hand already noticed he had a, a sleeve mm-hmm. that he was wearing on that. And then after practice, Zach Taylor, the head coach, talked about how, you know, some guys are sore after the first practice. So Could uh, calf injury mean Achilles, though? That's what I mean. That's why that's, they, they have say the, that sometimes, yeah, right? Well, that was look into that, it further. Yeah, watching that. the 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 video, that was the first initial feel, um, or fear, like oh my gosh, or yeah, you, you you hoped immediately, okay, calf strain, which as I talked about yesterday, anytime I would play beer league softball, that's what I would do, coming out of the batter's box, trying to turn to leg one out, but uh, you know he hobbled, but yeah, the fear would be that it would be an Achilles, and that would be that would be it, that'd be a, the whole season, and that would be a nightmare for the Bengals, terrible for the NFL. But, uh, of course, they're negotiating. We just talked this week about Justin Herbert's new contract with the L.A. Chargers, and he will be the highest-paid player in the National Football League until Joe Burrow gets his new deal. Next thing you know, we're dealing with another Joe Burrow injury. But as you said, this is not uncommon for him. If he is, if it is just a calf, um, you know. Yeah, and I don't can... know how that hurts his money. I mean, no. this is, I mean, Joe Burrow was on his way to, to not looking for a massive contract, but helping out, you know, his team by – Making sure he had all the players around him to have success, but when you when you come up three or four years in a row, e where these things happen to you, whether it whether it's you know just coincidence or not, you start to think maybe I need to make sure I get all the money I can get, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I may have a short-lived career in the NFL. I would think, and again, I'm not the agent, but if or the team, but if it's an Achilles. Well, it's a year-long injury. Yeah, it would impact the negotiations. There's no doubt about that uh, at that point. <laughs> Uh, now, he still would hopefully make a full recovery. He's only 26 years old. He's and, already made recoveries from knee surgeries. Yeah, well, but again, it's uh, at that point, if it's, a, you know, if it's a calf strain, it's calf strain. You right. deal with that, and you, you're going to have the quarterback and your quarterback for the bulk of the football season, and all you're going to do there is be very cautious to not make that a lingering injury. Make sure it's fully recovered before he returns. And, you know, any, any calf— Boy, they got some big games early in the season, too. Their first three or four games are just— you know they're they were then the division and stuff. They've they 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 need to get off to a a good start, but they need to get off to a healthy start with their quarterback. They can't have him going in there at seventy sixty percent trying to play in games because they're big important games. Well, just remember so it's a long said, season. Last year was the appendectomy, so he didn't right. have any training camp practice. If you remember last early in the season, they played the Cowboys right up in uh, up in Dallas. Up in Arlington, and they took like three snaps, and that was it. See you later. Yeah, he well, yeah, he emergency surgery. They had to let that fully recover, and so he didn't do much at all in training camp. And they lo- it looked like that early. Remember, they were in the Super Bowl the previous year, and they got off to a one and two start, and they mm-hmm. just didn't look right. And he looked like he was rusty, as you may imagine. And um, you know, by the end of the year, they were you know what you would have, and they get they got things together. But that could be a problem for them right now. And in that conference, man, the AFC, it is the margins oh are goodness. so. 
slim and, and thin of what's the difference in that division even when you're talking about – I think they have Cleveland and Baltimore in the first two games. Yeah. Well, that's your – what is – of the storylines of the AFC North, I mean, what is Cleveland going to be? Can Deshaun Watson get back to anything close to what he was in Houston? If he does, Cleveland's going to be a handful because they can run it with Nick Chubb. They've got great weapons on the outside. You know, the rave reviews in Cleveland early in camp. We know Amari Cooper is there. Uh, he's suffered a minor injury, but he'll be back. Uh, Elijah Moore. They they sent a second-round pick to the Jets to get Elijah Moore. Yes, they did. Uh, when the Jets were trying to pursue the, the Aaron Rodgers trade. And Elijah Moore is turning heads, man. That guy was a, was a former high pick of the Browns. Or, excuse me, the Jets. They really like him. Uh, to go with um, you know David Njoku at tight end and Nick Chubb running the ball, good offensive line. And we know their defense is talented and head- headlined by Miles Garrett coming off the edge. So Browns are good. Um, Steelers, what are they going to be? You've know, you got Mike Tomlin, so you know they'll be tough. And Kenny Pickett in year two. And then, of course, the, the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson back, Odell Beckham Jr. there now. I mean, just that, that, that division in, of itself, they all kind of have a, a you know playoff team feel but they all probably can't make the playoffs. So, yeah, the couple of games early can, can hurt your push to win a division. And uh, so we'll keep an eye on Joe Burrow as the uh, the month of July turns into August and we go from there. Well, their backup is not going to take him where Joe Burrow could take him. That's, well, that's just not going to happen. Yeah, Trevor is, Simeon. Is that who it is? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Well, Joe Burrow's special. Uh, now, I mean, you still have the Jamar He's, Chase. And they've got a really Higgins. good team. Yeah, they've got weapons. And uh, – any quarterback can can make some things happen in that, but yeah, it's not Joe Burrow, um, and that's. But again, if he's healthy and can play for the year and be the, give you the bulk of the season, uh, you're, you'll be good with that. Uh, the story in Miami not as good for Jalen Ramsey. He's out six to eight weeks with a torn meniscus. He was a big acquisition for them to help bolster that defense because that's the scary part of the Miami Dolphins in the AFC. We know the big storyline is Tua, and can Tua Tungavailoa, their quarterback, stay healthy, avoid concussions? If he can, that offense is dynamite. Uh, and at some point, sometimes unstoppable offensively, they were they're trying to bolster their defense. They they traded for Bradley Chubb from the Broncos last year during the season to bring more pass rush. The idea was to bring in Jalen Ramsey to add to their secondary to lock people up a little bit, let that pass rush get home. Uh, he'll be back, but it likely will be like you just said with Joe Burrow, week one, week two, six to eight week injury. He's a veteran player. He'll roll back and be healthy and be ready oh, yeah. to go. But uh, that is one to watch for sure. So, well, just a meniscus is better than having an ACL, that's for sure. Oh yeah. Well, that's again. Uh, let's cross your fingers. The way he for went Joe. down, I, the, the way they showed him, I was like, oh no. Well, yeah, Not those non-contact knee yes. injuries. But then when you hear calf, but that also leads. Oh man, is there an Achilles issue? Some type of tendon problem? Uh, we'll follow that with Joe Burrow and the National Football League. Get more from from Cowboy Camp coming up. And obviously, the big story uh, in these parts and uh, around college football is the Colorado move. Told you yesterday that the Board of Regents meeting was really a formality. Decision had been made. They are going to jump to the Big 12 uh, and back to the Big 12 for all the reasons we just mentioned in the headlines. It's more money, it's more stability, it's better recruiting for Deion Sanders. And you know, the argument can be made strongly that they should have never left back in 2010. But if you remember the landscape in 2010, you know, that was when. The conversation was, you know, Texas and Oklahoma and, and, and A&M, everybody was moving to the Pac-12. That's like right. Everybody was going to the Pac-12. Uh, it was going to be the Pac-16 or whatever it was going to become. And that was, you know, Colorado was kind of caught up in the, man, our our conference is about to fall apart, so we should jump now and get ahead of that. Yeah, and everybody wants Texas and Oklahoma to come to the Pac-12. We might as well get in it ourselves. Yeah, we can get they in were, it. Let's go. We're there. They were trying to anticipate that, oh, my gosh, and the whole acrimony within the Big 12 conference at the time. 
that was going on between the schools and Nebraska was leaving and um, you know, A&M jumped over to the SEC. So they jumped in that whole window and it was a bad decision. I mean, it really was. I mean, the, the program and football program for sure has not been close to the same since they moved out of the Big 12. And, uh, you know, the reasons we've talked about for why they declined over 12 or 13 years is what the athletic director and the chancellor said yesterday. You know, we we want to play TV f- football games in the early window at 11 o'clock. We want to put our, you know, showcase our team in primetime spots, and we want to be able to recruit the state of Texas. Uh, according to some reports out of Denver and Boulder, you know, Deion Sanders gave this move full approval uh, because he knows and wants to be able to recruit this state. For sure. And, uh, you know, every coach in America wants to be able to recruit the state of Texas well, uh, as fertile as it is. So they'll be you – know, now think about that game this year, Buck, with TCU. That takes a heightened interest because they'll play TCU uh, coming up to start the season and they're there in Fort Worth. And obviously that will not be a conference game this year. Following starting next year, it will be. It will be a recruiting game, that's for no sure. No doubt about it for Deion Sanders. So uh, that game is coming up up there in Fort Worth week one. Uh, now takes a new new twist. And, yes, uh, obviously the next step is, you know, for, for both sides, is, does the big – I don't think for any, for a second the Big 12 is going to stay at 13. Um, you know, the, this is this is the time to move. You further you found you you coaxed one school to make the move. Now you further destabilized the Pac-12, which is a mess. Uh, could there be more? We've talked four corner schools. There's also talk of those those aren't willing to to jump. Uh, you know, maybe a, a UConn uh, to make it a 14 team league to the East. Um, you know, the, the basketball opportunities and you know the Pac-12 was just it's amazing to hear the comments of the commissioner there that. As of last week, he was confident that there, you know, there was going to be no movement. I don't, I can't imagine. I mean, you know, Buck, little old me here in Austin, Texas. If I keep hearing from from people I know within the Big Twelve that there absolutely is a chance that Colorado could move and Arizona could move, George Klyavkov has to know that. I mean, there's no way he doesn't. Now he may have just said that at media days to calm waters and you know say the right thing, but I mean, it's it's been common knowledge that the Big Twelve has been pursuing Colorado for a year. Uh, Colorado had interest all that time. Uh, and as we said throughout the whole course of this process, Colorado was patiently waiting for some type of media rights deal to that they could compare to what the Big 12 was offering, and that media rights deal never came. Yeah, sometimes it's probably better off don't, if if there's nothing to say, don't say anything. Don't start yeah. just making things, you know, just talk about what, you know, sorry that certain teams are gone, you know, we're going to have a, a strong conference, but to act like nothing's going to happen. Well, and it's I, happening I, right I, underneath your nose. And, you know, I mean, he's aloof uh, or not aware and, and believing that there nothing's going on. I mean, that that seems silly to me. Uh, it seemed obvious that negotiate. And, again, it, it's all based on the media rights deal. But George Klyavkov was saying, you know, we, we, we're we going to put our media rights deal in front of our membership here shortly. And like you said, at one time, everybody was trying to head to the Pac-12. Let's get out there. Let's get let's get going that direction. Well, now, all of a sudden, they're all scrambling. You're talking about a scramble now that Colorado's gone? Well, look, if you go back to when Larry Scott was the commissioner, and we almost had the Pac-16, right, with the schools from the from the state of Texas moving, A&M put the brakes on that, and then jumped to the SEC a year later. Part of the reason Larry Scott, the previous commissioner in the Pac-12, wanted to do that is the same thing we're talking about right now, is to, to get his conference playing games in the central time zone, playing games in the eastern time zone, not just playing West Coast games. Right. I mean, and, and get, I know... If you live in the West Coast and that's your time zone, that you don't you think that's not a big factor. When you start sitting with TV executives at Fox and ESPN, that's a big deal. Uh, that's a lot of money. Uh, they don't want to just play six and nine o'clock games on the West Coast. They want to 
They want TV games early. They, you know, the big noon Sunday game on Fox, the early window 11 o'clock games on ESPN are huge. Uh, the 2.30 game's big. And that was part of it, even for back then. I mean, Texas fans weren't a fan. A lot of Texas fans weren't a fan of the move because they That's were going right. to be those playing games. those late right. West Coast games. The Pac-12 was trying to align with the with Texas and the, and the Texas schools for that very reason. And they still haven't changed that equation. All the way until 2023, they still are locked into the Pacific time zone as a conference, and it's hurting them terribly when it comes to media rights and media negotiations uh, and you know, there was a huge stink about that with fans. They're like, "We're we gonna catch games that started at nine? Are you kidding me?" Yeah, no. I mean, they, they they've tried to be creative. It's just it's just, and 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 Colorado sitting right in the middle of the country. They're in the West, but they're they're still more regionally Absolutely. proportioned to Texas and to the to the schools in the Big Twelve. They're gonna sit. They're all too happy to. They'll play eleven o'clock games. They'll play mm-hmm. two thirty games. They want to be in the big windows, and you can also play primetime games in Boulder. That's fine too, but. Again, for the for the for the TV partners who are paying the freight, that's where these media rights dollars come from. They want four windows a day, a Saturday. They want to have an eleven, a two thirty, a six, and a, and a nine if you need it. Uh, but how many nine o'clock games does Texas play? None, right there. And as you know, most college football fans are asleep by nine o'clock because they've been going since eleven o'clock watching football. Only people up are tie in there, staying up trying to chase his bets and. You know, win some money on a late Pac-12 late late, Pac yeah. game, uh, trying to make up for losses potentially early. Now, some people stay up to midnight to watch every single game, but that those numbers are, are are too few. Sure. And of course, when you're a regional conference like that, and you only are getting your regional coverage, ESPN, Fox, the TV partners, they want national, big cross-country TV audiences, which you know everybody tunes in to watch the big noon game on Fox. Well, Colorado, oh, Colorado now has a chance. Now, yeah. now they can come, you know, playing TCU. Now they can come into the state of Texas. Sure. They, they weren't staying in that conference, even if they got a, a deal there. That was really going to be hard. They need to stay to Texas. Yeah, they've, they always they, did. They that when was they bad were move good, that, when they were good, they were getting kids out. Like I said like Fort Worth and that Metroplex area. They were coming all over the state. Lots of kids went from Texas well, to play you think about football it, even in, back when, in Boulder. Even back when you were coaching, right. And when you were coaching, I was coming into college, and I've you know, all my buddies that were high recruits, they were all taking visits to Colorado. Colorado sure was oh, a yeah, that was program. A, that was that was one of your one of your five. You were everybody going to Boulder. took a visit to Boulder, even if you weren't going, everybody. you were going to take a trip to Boulder. Yeah, and you a lot of them went there. I know yeah. my good friend Dan Neal, who I went to high school with, who ended up at Texas playing for you guys. He took a trip to Boulder. He yep. loved it. Uh, he thought it was a real option for him. We've heard Casey Stuttered who was coming to Texas all along, but he's from that area. He mm-hmm. took, he liked the opportunity at Boulder. Um, he wasn't going to go there, but still, it was an it school. And ever since they've left this conference, they're not. Now, the, the idea is with the leadership in Colorado now, with Deion Sanders in place and primetime and all that exposure, this move, they can get back to being you know, an it school for, 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 for potential recruits, and that's really the lifeblood of any football program is talent. They're going to be it all right for the first year. They're going to get it. That's oh, what they're going to get. Yeah. Now, Dion's planning to be good quick, but we'll see. Uh, all right, we've got some uh, more college football to get to, including uh, our friend Bobby Burton over at Inside Texas with a report on Gary Patterson. Is Gary at this point almost into August mulling a potential return to the Texas coaching staff in some role. We'll get you details on that coming up. Obviously left the program and uh, after his one year last year, I'll get you details there. Also back into the, to what's going to happen out in the Pac-12, what happens with Arizona, Utah, Arizona State. What about Oregon and Washington? Those are conversations. I would put you this little seed in your head that Brett Yormark last, last summer had two separate meetings with Phil Knight. 
so, you know, my conventional thought is that the Big Ten is going to come calling on Oregon and Washington if they don't, and the Big Ten is going to be happy with where they are. Um, don't rule out the idea of, of Brett Yormark getting real aggressive and going after Oregon as well uh, because, you know, the, he's an aggressive guy, and he, he understands what that brand can bring yes, he from does. the great Northwest and Phil Knight and Nike and all the, the alliances there. Uh, obviously, Washington up in Seattle as well. So we'll keep our eyes on the conference realignment conversation. Uh, we'll take your thoughts as we get you into a Friday. We'll have some fun as well. One of the greatest comedies ever released was released on this day back in uh, 45 years ago. We'll get you details on that coming up in our B&E Facts of the Day segment. It's B&E on the Horn. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Bucky and Aaron. Yeah, props to all the uh, working people out there going to work this morning. And uh, it's Austin, Texas, so most of you might put in a half day. Half day, maybe. That would be it. Half day and into your weekend. Friday. Friday. Of course, some of you will go 10, 12 hours today, I would guess. But, uh, you know, we appreciate you being with us. It's a Friday morning. It's B&E, final weekend of July on tap. That means uh, NFL training camps all over the place. Injury is a big topic. Also, Cal- uh, Lawhorns going to camp next week. Uh, August 2nd will be their first practice, and they'll be uh, getting after it in the all-gas, no-excuses season, as uh, we've described it. Steve Sarkeesian has not uh, backed off of those expectations, that uh, anything less than a Big 12 championship would, uh, I think, be a disappointing season for the Longhorns where they sit. I know it would be for the fans. Well, I think even if you listen to Sark, he feels like this is a team on a mission and thinks this team is uh, ready to make amends for some of the uh, late-game fourth-quarter issues of last year. If they can fix that and rectify those things, get better quarterback play more consistently, better passing game more consistently, uh, there's no reason this team can't be uh, playing in that Big 12 title game come December. But uh, the begin, the, you know, the real work begins Tuesday. I know Sarge, I'm coaching, you know this, Bucket. The, the real work hopefully began through the spring. Oh, yeah. Winter workouts, winter summer. Workouts. And you just pick it up and go. Those dreadful winter workouts. But uh, as my, I teased on the way to the timeout, uh, our friend Bobby Burton, over at Inside Texas on Three Sports, has a story out this morning that uh, uh, he's been told that former TCU head coach Gary Patterson is mulling a return to college football, possibly even a, in a reprised role with the Longhorns. Of course, in his first year away from Fort Worth, Patterson was a special assistant to Steve Sarkeesian during last season. Um, had a you know a noticeable impact on the improvement of the defense and uh, Pete Kwiatkowski and what they were doing on that side of the ball. Probably worked with that defense, helping with various uh, coverage is in the secondary. That's what he's known best for. Uh, it's it's such a short story from Bobby, but again, he's uh, you know in the story he said Patterson told multiple people close to him today that he has yet to decide whether he'll return to Austin this fall, but that the decision needs to come quickly uh, in the next several days as Texas is set to open up fall camp on August the second. So yeah, and he's going to want to be there when it starts. He's going to want to be there at that opening meeting. 
Well, you wonder if to he just got everyone. some time away and enjoyed that. And, but oh, yeah. You know, it's that time of the year for he, him. He, he, <laughs> he didn't book a tour for his music? <laughs> no, that's that clock, that, that football clock is... Ticking, yeah, that thing. That shark Week. That's, yeah, like, that's what Casey Sutter's been. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, it's the, that starts happening. The, that gets the people going. That alarm. Just that alarm bit. goes off. It's time to get ready to start those those practices in summertime for him. Yeah, the clock ticking. Yep. Coach's clock says, "Well, what am I doing? It's July. I need to be in a camp somewhere." So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Bobby also in the story uh, said that uh, this off season, Gary Patterson had already turned down multiple overtures from other schools, including one from USC and Lincoln Riley. To come west, and uh, obviously you know already Cliff Kingsbury's already there, so we'll keep an eye on that story. Uh, could be a developing, uh, we, and, and we know Texas has already added, you know Paul Chris is an offensive special assistant, uh, Joe D. Camillus as a special teams assistant for Jeff Banks, and uh, Payam Sadat has come in on the defensive side uh, to assist there, and he's one of the the previous the old school architects of the uh, the the Desert Swarm defense out at Arizona with Dick Tomey. Um, he comes in with a lot of knowledge on, on, on pass rush and edge rush, which is what the Longhorns are trying to generate. Um, boy, to, to get Gary Patterson, because many times last year, Steve Sarkeesian described Gary as just like, like a second head coach and, uh, you know, somebody he could just bounce, bounce things off of and talk uh, to and uh, just, just another set of eyes helping him um, with, with blind spots and things of that nature. Uh, apparently the relationship was really strong, strong enough that at this time of year, maybe Gary Patterson considering a return. And as you know, and you've always said, you worked with uh, his now wife. She's a life. She's a Longhorn graduate. Absolutely loves Austin, loves UT. So we'll keep an eye on that uh, developing conversation. I also mentioned as we were talking uh, injuries and in training camps around the NFL. You know, there's already been several uh, reports I've seen of Demarvion Overshaw, the Cowboys' third round pick, pick ninety, flashing early in camp for Dan Quinn and that defense uh, that he is. You know, doing his thing, very athletic. Yeah, you know, do all the things that he wants to, to see in a, a guy like that. He can play multiple positions. Yeah, I mean, got a great posi- skill set at a lot of things. That guy maybe even in your secondary somewhere. Positionless football, man. Right. I mean the uh, the idea, and Dan Quinn has been on the forefront of that on the defensive side of the ball. That you know, don't lock one, don't lock a guy into just one position if he can Not do a multiple great things. Yeah, and someone like Demarvion, and the the early thought is, uh, you know, he's he former safety. Uh, who moved to linebacker, but can use that versatility at the pro level where he can, you know, be a linebacker in nickel and dime packages potentially. Oh, he's big to try to throw around and but, over. But then, you know, in the base, maybe be a be a, you know, kind of a hybrid between a linebacker and a safety, covering tight ends. Um, you know, being able to support the run, but also cover. Uh, and as we know, De- Demarvion, like Micah Parsons, he's he can get after the quarterback too. So if you want to use him in that role. Uh, Cowboys are really excited about DeMarvion Overshone uh, helping their defense. And, you know, that like that defense needed another weapon like that. The, if Mozzie Smith, the defensive tackle they took in the first round, is as advertised at the point of attack at D-tackle, and then DeMarvion can become another weapon uh, built around Micah Parsons, DeMarcus Lawrence on that defense, Trayvon Diggs in the secondary, you know, this can be the best defense in pro football. Man, there's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, they're, they've been close to it. The last few years, the you know that's where the offensive change of you know being a little bit more conservative, uh, controlling the ball, a uh, little little more of a power running team with play action for Dak Prescott. You understand why that is because if you have a defense that's that good, you want to protect them as much as you can, let them win you football games. Yeah, I mean he can give Micah Parsons a blow too. Sure, the way he plays, I mean those different positions. I I mean I we always liked his skill set even when he was a safety. He was just he just got so daggum big. 
you know, you know, last time when we were at Media Days, the Big 12 Media Days a couple of years ago, he was a monster. He got like a defensive end. Who, DeMarvion? De- De- yeah. No, he's a big dude. I mean, I, I, I laugh every time I talk with my friend Mike Craven with the, that I do the show, The Eyes on Texas Multicast with every week. Mike uh, used to, before he's now, he's now the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. And hopefully, by the way, you check out our latest episode of The Eyes on Texas Multicast. It is out and available. Really good stuff. Uh, you can find it on YouTube and uh, iTunes and Spotify. It's Eyes on Texas Multicast, powered by Grande Equipment. But the... Um, Mike tells a story that he was, because before he was at Dave Campbell's, he was the Austin American Statesman, and he curated the Fab 55 list, right? The yep. top 55 high school players in the state. So Mike would go all over the state, watch high school players, and he he, 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 read, he told me the, the story when we went to ARP, Texas, tiny little East Texas ARP high school, and watched DeMarvion Overshone. And, you know, the coaches were fearful he's going to hurt people. I mean, he was just oh, yeah. so much bigger than everyone. And he was a, one of those loves contact guys. He was just a heat-seeking missile. He's going to knock people down. And, you know, just coaches, you know, even in practice, had to be careful with him. And, and you know, that's like a, that was a 2A or 3A high school at the time. Uh, I can imagine he destroy a hundred hundred and forty seven pound running back. He, he, it was Mike says it was just like, oh my gosh, that is that's not fair. And then he came to Texas and part of that that great defensive back recruiting class that Tom Herman put together early in his time at Texas. Uh, they featured uh, Caden Stearns and you know uh, you know he he was a part of that. That dude just outgrew the position. Um, you know Foster came in with the, with that group. B.J. Foster. And yeah, he well, and you know, by design. And but but part of the problem was that that he they didn't pick a position immediately, right? He bounced. He started as a safety. Then they tried him at linebacker. And then okay, what are you going to use him as? Uh, And finally, his final year, which was last year, he was really good. He started to settle in at that role uh, next to Jalen Ford, and just be you know attack the football, make plays, uh, be an aggressive you know run stopper, but also in those. He was so effective on those little short, quick screen passing game plays and then running after quarterbacks. Oh, no, he could run you down now. And I think the Cowboys look at DeMarbion and think, you know what, his, his best football is to come. He's still a very young player. I believe, he, I believe that's exactly right. His best football is to come. And I, I, mean, I mean, he's going to be with Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn knows an awful lot about defensive football. Yeah, and then, you know, I know the all going into the draft in April, Cowboys fans and Longhorn fans who are you know, one and the same, uh, they were hoping B. John Robinson. Ended up a Longhorn or a Cowboy, man. Wouldn't be played if we get Bijan, but obviously that didn't happen. He was gone by the eighth pick to the Falcons, but uh, you know there he was at ninety. They didn't need him. Well, they might. We'll see. Tony Pollard is their their best and most proven running back, and Zeke Elliott is not there. He's sending text messages to the running back saying, <laughs> it's "Good outside luck." Outside the fence. Good luck. His hands on the chain link fence. Ty, you still holding out hope that uh, Zeke shows up at some point? Where's Zeke going to be? I think he. I think he'll come home eventually. Midseason. Maybe he just didn't want to go to California. He'll just wait until they come back. He's more of a Mexico guy. Yeah, he is. <laughs> oh, who isn't at this point? Uh, get down to Mexico. Uh, it is uh, one of the notes from Cowboys camp that I found, uh, I took note of, uh, was that their rookie tight end, Luke Schoonmaker, who they took with a second pick, second round pick. They took Mozzie Smith out of Michigan with their first pick late in the first round. Then they turned around and put, took his teammate, Luke Schoonmaker, a tight end for Jim Harbaugh's program. But he is going to miss the start of training camp because of a foot injury that predates his time with the team. And this is the first anybody's heard of this. Uh, second round pick, you take a player in the second round, he's expected to come in and hit your depth chart and you know be there with Jake Ferguson at that tight end position, Peyton Hendershot, and um, you know giving your offense a Gerald jolt. Well, he, you know the, the note here says Mike McCarthy is definitely hopeful that he'll practice in Oxnard 
definitely making progress, but do not have a timeline for you. So when he says predates his joining the team, well, that would mean it was a pre, an injury that, that he came injury. with. Yeah, what's the deal? Come on, y'all. And, and the drafts, it's so if it predates April, and it didn't get you know he, doing his visits and whatnot, combine work. Um, you know, you wonder what that is, and here we are, almost into August now, and they still don't have a timeline on it. I would take a note of that. That that sounds a little bit concerning. Big picture for your second round draft pick, but it's other right. than Turd Ferguson's got it got it under control. Seventy well, catches. Well, remember the Cowboys want to run a lot of two and three tight end sets. They yes. want to be a power running team and be able to, uh, you know, wear down defenses. And this guy's used to being a run blocker too. And, and you know what you get when you're getting a Michigan player. That's one thing. It's one of the reasons Michigan has put on so many guys into the draft of late because you know what type of player you're getting out of that Jim Harbaugh program. Mozzie Smith, big and powerful at the point of attack, a movable ob- object, but just with like tremendous strength and agility. Cowboys really like him. Uh, but then. You know, Shoemaker, you know, he's a, he's a Michigan tight end. He's going to be physical. He'll block. Yep. He'll hit you, get you up in your face, but also can be a receiving threat as well. It's not good to hear about a foot injury. Yeah, that's never good. Don't like that at all for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, all right, so we'll get back into some football. Cowboys in camp. Longhorns going to camp next week, and we'll certainly uh, count down those days to that. Uh, we'll get back into the Big 12 conversation as well with uh, Brett Yormark making moves. Colorado is in. Who is next? is the big question is uh, uh, it feels like the Pac-12 is coming apart. And can the uh, – because I don't think anybody believes. you Like percentage chance in your mind, Bob, that when 2024 comes around next summer into next fall, the, the Big 12 is a 13-team league. Maybe more. You think so? You think it could be 13? Yeah. I, 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 no, I'm saying I think my percentage would be very low that they're going to sit at 13 between now and next, next football season. Next football season. It'll be season. at least 14. Yes. At least, I got. I'm, I've, I've got to believe that if this this Oregon talk is true, then why not Utah? Why not bring them? You know well, what that, I'm saying? Because I think it's more likely to be Washington. A, in my mind, it's more likely that it's a 16 team league than a 13 team league. Yeah, it's, for sure. Uh, but again, it, the schools you bring in have to add value. I mean, the, the the current members of the Big 12 aren't just going to add teams to add teams because you got to split the money another way. But uh, what I've been told is that the the media partners at ESPN are are you know if it's the right schools, okay, we'll 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 make them a full because they're paying the 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 rate. Um, you know if it's a school that they bring think brings value, they'll be willing to cover that. And you know so the school yeah, they probably love to bring Arizona without Arizona State, but that that seems like a package deal. Well, at some point the patience will wear thin at Arizona. Especially oh, yeah, if they, Brett, if they'll Brett, be the next. They'll be the next to jump. I think. He, especially even if the Oregon. big. Well, well, think about this. If you're Brett Yormark, wouldn't you? If you had your ideal selections, wouldn't you want to take Arizona, Utah, and Oregon, and make it a, and be done? Yeah, but you got to have Arizona State seems maybe to be not. sitting in there. Oh. Maybe not. Arizona State can join their Mountain, Mountain West Pac-12. West. Yeah. Oh my goodness. If they don't want to jump, I mean, because again, yeah, it's not like they've been knocking it out of park football-wise lately, anyway. I mean, th- think about it this way: If you're because we've ta- talked about the four corner schools and adding Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, what if we could replace Arizona State with Oregon? Oh yes, immediately. And I think ESPN and the TV partners would be more on board with that. Sure. Not and again, when we start talking about basketball, Oregon's got a really good basketball program as well. Um, you know, it's one of those. Is that the group with the ugly floor? Oh yeah, really ugly floor, terrible floor. But so if you were adding Colorado, which is the Denver market, market seventeen. In the media market rankings, uh, you know Arizona does bring you would think Greater Phoenix, Tucson, um, which is market mark, market eleven. 
Uh, Utah is Salt Lake City, which is a top 20 market. Uh, but it's also, when you're trying to build for the future a natural rivalry, rivalries, yes. you're putting Utah with BYU as a conference game annually to go with Texas, you know, losing Texas and Oklahoma. You're looking for those big, inst- you know, big rivalry games. The Holy War becomes that. And, boy, if Oregon, if the Big Ten doesn't come calling for Oregon, how about that for your, your full conference and, and Phil Knight and all that that brings the, the – uh, Yeah, Arizona the State would be the, the, the last ones in to me. I'd rather have Stanford than have Arizona State, but we'll just see how the state of Arizona feels about that. Well, this but it's is, about the money. And it's think, about the TV. I think those would be the first – now, Brett Yormark might tell you he would rather have UConn because he's an East Coast guy and he thinks – Or basketball-wise. Or basketball, getting into that East Coast, tap into that New York – Metro, you know, market and uh, Upper East Coast, uh, but I think the I think the the because again the presidents are going to make the decision uh, of the Big Twelve even more than Brett Yormark. Brett Yormark will lead the way and do the negotiations. But in the end, you know, if you're Texas Tech, if you're Baylor, if you're TCU, uh, you're more like Oregon in your conference. That becomes a big game every year when you're when you on the rotating basis, and that gets you to sixteen. You know, you had Colorado. You again they're talking about Western flanks of your conference. But but Oregon helps in all regards. They're they're For a big sure. time football program um, that you know was super up with Chip Kelly has dipped a little bit. But you know they can be a na- that's a national program with the the Phil Knight exposure and what comes with it. And the basketball program is really growing. Uh, and we know the NIL rules are you know flexible for them. Well, they love that. And so. You know, it's it's a, that would be a that would be a power move if the Big Twelve were to land that. Obviously, Texas and Oklahoma are off to the SEC, and they won't be worrying about that. But the remaining schools, that would, those would be your best three next picks: Utah, Oregon, Arizona, and that would mean you'd have to pry Arizona away from Arizona State, which I think I think there's a willingness to go there if Arizona State wants to be stubborn and go down with the pac 12s sinking ship. Uh, all right, there we go. There's some conference realignment. We got the Cowboys, Longhorns coming up. B and E facts of the day, including. One of the greatest comedies of all time, released on this day 45 years ago. We'll let you help us rank where that ranks in your all-time comedies. Coming back on B&E. It's Bucky and Aaron. Oh, yeah. 80s anthem from uh, the boys from Motley Crue. Vince Neil and the gang. Tommy Lee on drums. Oh, home sweet home. I will have to say that that was a uh, a big song of my childhood, Bob. No, I was not a Motley Crue fan. Well, I can see that you were older. Yeah, I was uh, middle high school, middle early, you know, middle school into high school when Motley Crue hit, and uh, I was a pretty big fan. Did you enjoy that movie that came out a few years ago? <laughs> I didn't see that movie. You never saw the, the, the Motley t- Crue movie. I told you I watched the uh, the first two episodes, episode and a half of the. Pam and Tommy Lee mockumentary that they did. That was did. enough for you, wasn't it? Well, like, literally, Tommy Lee, he started talking to his... His thing on Bob? Yeah. Like, there was a scene you in the episode two where he, it's, there's his man thing, and he's and it's talking to him. And I'm like, okay, that's over. I'm done. I know, I'm Come out. Come on, little Johnny. You might not like the movie, then. It's a little raunchy. Well, Motley Crue was completely raunchy. I mean, there's yeah. no doubt about that. Again, uh, my poor mother. My brother and I were big Kiss fans, and all of a sudden... Her baby's like a Motley Crue family. Wow. What is this young Catholic boy, what's going on up in his room? But, uh, you know, we were we were okay. Um, but, yes. All right, so some B&E facts of the day, Buck. Uh, obviously, it's a day-by-day conversation with Shohei Otani. Um, he sets, does something no one's ever done before, seemingly every day. And yesterday was, you know, another one. First player to throw a shutout in one game of a doubleheader, then hit a home run in the other game of a doubleheader. Shohei did that. 
Uh, again, I don't think it's any surprise on the day that they announced or the day before they announced that he is not going to be traded and they're locking in and they're going to be aggressive and they're making moves. And when after Lucas Giolito, this guy shows up and says, all right, uh, I'll reward you. Complete game, one hitter. All nine innings, shut out, one hit allowed. That's pretty good uh, to give the uh, pitching staff a jolt. Save the bullpen for a du- in a doubleheader. That's one of your biggest fears is just wearing your bullpen out. Uh, didn't need it. And then go out and hit, as a DH, hit two home runs and lead them to an 11-4 win over the Detroit Tigers. Uh, so two quick wins, and Shohei is just just, just uh, indescribable what that back guy up, does. Back up the truck. <laughs> back up the truck. And uh, I think Marty Moreno would be willing to do that. Uh, he just, But th- whoever, you know, the, the Angels, they have to show that they're in this thing to win this thing. Uh, they're not in this well, thing they're, to they're, they're sell out tickets. there buying, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. That's a, but but to part of buying... Because as we've said, I mean, uh, you know, you know, if you're just looking at the organization, if Shohei Otani doesn't re-sign with this team, this is a bad plan. I mean, you're you're not trading your biggest asset to rebuild your farm system and bring in, you know, four or five right. young it's players. It's play, plan to keep him and and then if you but if you if this plan helps you re-sign him, yes, this is the plan. Yes, if, even if you don't make the World Series this year. Then it's the right move. But if you just traded your two two of your top prospects to get Lucas Giolito, so you further depleted your your weak farm system, and then you lose Shohei this offseason, you're you're way back. You know you're taking even further steps back as an organization. But obviously they've made the decision that if we go all in and we go for this thing, that will be be what Shohei wants, and maybe we'll resign him. And maybe he'll come back, even if we don't win the World Series this year. Also in the BNE, well, they're playing their best baseball right now, anyway. Which is a good thing. Yeah. Well, they're playing. They're over five hundred. Yeah. They're in it, and you know they're they're with yesterday's win. I think they're six games back of the Rangers, who were idle yesterday in the West, and they're three games back of a, of a wild card spot. So sure, they're by no means out of it, and they will get Mike Trout back here coming up in in August at some point from his wrist injury, uh, and now they have Lucas Giolito with Shohei Otani atop their rotation. That's that's not that's not bad. That isn't bad. I still think the team has some holes in it, but uh, I think it's showing well that. You know, Shohei, Shohei wants to be on a team that's trying to go win the World Series. That's 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 pretty clear. Also, uh, also from the uh, facts of the day, U.S. Women's National Team bucked that 1-1 draw versus the Netherlands. 6.43 million viewers on oh, Fox, yeah. the most watched group stage match ever on U.S. English TV. So everyone tuning in to now, see the U.S. When women. Was the, when they played the Netherlands last time, was that in the finals or the semifinals the last time Women's World Cup? Was around. They've played. Be- they played before. Netherlands are good, and that's yeah. They're they're in their group. I thought that may have been the last time they played. That was a huge. But game. it looks like both of those teams will get out of the group stage. They're they're sitting atop that group right. E with four points apiece, and uh, USA has a game with Portugal coming up that's very important. Uh, Netherlands will play uh, Vietnam. Vietnam, who they yeah. should beat. So you know, two of the four teams get out of the group. I think uh, right now the Netherlands and the U.S. are in a good... Ladies are excited. They're getting paid the same amount as the men now. Well, you're bringing eyeballs. Most watched group stage match ever on U.S. Mm-hmm. English TV. Um, that's what it's about. Uh, turn on television. For, for both men and women? It doesn't distinguish that here, but um, that's from front office sports. All right, we'll come back. We'll tell you which movie you ran out of time here, which movie came out. Comedy 45 years ago this day, July 28th. And get your thoughts, Buck, where it ranks as your, on your all-time comedy list. We'll have that for you, plus some highlights. Plus, uh, continuing to talk Colorado and the move to the Big 12. What does it mean? What's next for the Big 12 and the Pac-12? Discussions continuing on B&E.